this is another episode of Kaiju Transmissions. Um, who are you again? I am uh, Matt, and more importantly, we have a special guest of honor with us today, which I'm going to let introduce himself because he's that awesome. Who? Me. Who? Who? He meant me. Mm. That's a little reference for any wrestling fans out there, any fans of the New Day. Um, <laughs> this is Jelly or Tom. You may recognize my dulcet tones from the Second Run podcast, the now on hiatus Second Run podcast. Um, and uh, I've also been on If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It. That's I've my been podcast. On, yeah. I've been on that podcast. I've been on Hillbilly DVD reviews once. I've been on uh, <laughs> Movie Wars. Um, and I don't know what order you're releasing these episodes in, but I've been on this. Yes. How is everyone? Matt, I know you had an issue like last week where you had Donald Trump on the podcast and you played with his hair instead of like asking him any real questions. You got quite a bit of blowback about that, right? oh wait that was jimmy fallon that was that was (laughs) oh that's a thing oh i hate jimmy fallon you didn't didn't hear about like he he had he had trump on uh the tonight show and instead of he just it was just like all soft questions and then he was like can I ask you a question? Can I mess up your hair? And then, like, he messes up Trump's hair, and, like, everyone got mad at him because, like, he didn't even ask, like, a single, like, real question. It was just, like, a puff thing. That's what Jimmy Fallon is. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I hate Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> Everything Jimmy Fallon does is just puff. <laughs> That's uh, why you know who loves Jimmy Fallon? Old people? Our moms. Oh, yeah. All of our moms probably love Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yeah, I guarantee you. So when Trump wins the election and starts a nuclear holocaust, we can blame Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> if Trump does win, we should like do episodes about like, like uh, nuclear holocaust. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, there's like the last war that Toho movie where like the a war uh, is caused by the U.S. and the Russians, and it pretty much like ends the world. Like, <laughs> we should just do like a whole like string of like uh apocalyptic disaster movies uh so like grave of the fireflies oh, yeah oh, well, and matt you watched that <laughs> recently too which you i th- i might not be getting it right so if if uh, if your exact quote's wrong please correct me but i think you called it the funniest movie you've seen in a few years <laughs> that movie made me weep like a little girl <laughs> Oh man, I cannot cannot bear that movie at the end. It is it is wall to wall laughs. <laughs> well, uh, if you vote for Donald Trump, that's what you have look, to look forward to. So, well, yeah, and P- it, it, that's a great movie. People, I, Grave of the Fireflies is a Studio Ghibli or Ghibli, depending on how you want to how you say it. Giblets? What? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's an anime film about. Um, some kids who after the Tokyo fire bombings are basically like homeless and it, things just keep getting worse and worse. And uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the best thing that happens to them. In yeah. This movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, they he's did. Not, a, he's not exaggerating. That's the sad part. <laughs> they actually did a live action version, which I haven't heard much about, like how if whether it's good or bad. But I'd I'd check it out. Oh, I can only take so many man tears in one sitting. <laughs> um, so it is October, and I love horror movies. In addition, to, I also love horror movies. Yeah, yeah, we we're horror friendly. Um, and one thing I like to do on my uh, other podcast, If It Bleeds, We Can Kill It, is in October, release a couple episodes just focusing on specific horror movies or horror series or horror filmmakers. And we're applying the same idea here um, because um, while maybe not giant monster per se, um, many uh, Japanese horror films have been made by a lot of our favorite filmmakers who are responsible for so many movies that we love. And um, I've been saying since day one, uh, you know, if you guys like some of the kaiju stuff, I mean, there's... Plenty of other Japanese monster movies to enjoy, even if there's not uh, people stomping around miniature buildings. Um, and today we're going to be talking about a horror film that is one of my favorite, absolute favorite Japanese, not just Japanese genre movies, probably one of my favorite Japanese movies in general. Um, and we are talking about um, Ashiro Honda's Matango, or Matango. Um, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Um and Matango was a movie from 1963, loosely based on a short story called The Voice in the Night by uh, William Hope Hodgson, who was a um, an author who is often credited as one of the fathers of what's known as weird fiction. Uh, he was a huge influence on Lovecraft, if you want to get into um, the, the kind of writer he was. And... Um, Matango con- concerns a group of um, fairly wealthy people on a yacht, and they get shipwrecked on an island where the only um, uh, real edible food is a specific uh, species of fungus known as Matango. And when they eat it, not only do they get addicted to it, but they start tripping out and uh, they start growing the fungus on their bodies and eventually they will be fully transformed into uh these lumbering hulking mushroom monsters um and uh this is one of Shiro Honda's absolutely it's one of his best movies, as far as I'm concerned, right up there with the first Godzilla. Um, it might not be, you know, there's other movies of his that I might like a little bit more than this, but I think after the original Godzilla, this might be his best movie, and it's criminally underrated. Um, it was released direct-to-TV in the United States with the unfortunate title of Attack of the Mushroom People. <laughs> um yeah it's slightly misleading <laughs> uh which did give it a certain cult audience but um it 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 really devalues just how well done the the movie is um 
And, uh, I mean, th- this is a movie that's, that's, that's pretty layered. There's a lot to this thing that, that we're going to be going through. Um, I mean, uh, well, Matt, I'll, I'll kind of start with you because I think you just, me and Tom have seen this movie several times over the years, but, uh, this is one that it, you just watched this for the first time several months ago, right? Yeah, I watched it a couple months ago. It's a great movie. Um, like what? What were your first? What, what like what? What were your impressions of Matango? Like when when that movie ended, what what was going through your head? You know the 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 depths and the layers that the characters had. Every character is very different. Um, Kumi Mizuno, especially like she's she's there for strictly the attention. Um, she's kind of she's kind of playing the guys against each other. Then you have, of course, Kenji Sahara, who's, uh, just a total douchebag. <laughs> like he's got um, those, he's got those like messed up teeth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the, the cast is just incredible from, from basically start to finish. Then you have Akira Kubo who has this, I don't, I don't remember if, if it's his girlfriend or fiance. I'm not sure if, if the movie makes that clear, but, um, it, like it's just this very dreary and kind of drab movie. And by the end of it, you know, Kirikuba's character, which is um, Professor Mirai, he's basically basically like, I, I should have stayed on the island and died with everybody else. Like, <laughs> it's just one of those movies that sucks the life out of you because, <laughs> um, and, and like, you don't you don't get to see his face until the end because um, it starts out like the movie actually is a flashback. Like, it starts off with I think they're in Tokyo, and it's him. It's Kirikuba's character actually talking. And then by the end of it, he turned around. You realize he actually was exposed to the mushrooms, but he didn't get to stay back and die with everybody else. And he wishes that he had. And it has like kind of like twist ending that's like a gut punch. And um, I don't know, like everything about it, the, the characters, especially the way they play against each other, the fact that there's so much tension built between them. It's just really well done and well handled. And you, you care about them. You're rooting against some and rooting for others. And, and I think that's what I like so much about it. Yeah, every one of these characters, um, not everyone, because uh, Akira Kubo's character is a, a, like a good person. Um, but every every one of these characters, like just when you think they they couldn't be uh, a worse person, they find a way to to dip a little bit lower. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like especially Kumi Mizuno. Like we we start off knowing that she's just like a uh, an attention whore basically um but but then like she has the uh the gall to to say it out loud you know like <laughs> where she's like eh, i was just with you for the money i'm over that now though like <laughs> yeah um, at least <laughs> she says that to, is it is it just yoshio uh suchio or whatever mm-hmm. suchio yeah. yeah um she says that to him, like right to his face. You're like, oh my god! And then, uh, and then, like, like, like you said, like Kenji Sahara, like he starts off as like this, like, just kind of like a sleazy kind of guy, and and then he becomes just horrible. <laughs> um, and and even the uh, the, I don't know if I want to, I want to spoil it for people, but there's a character that you think might be kind of okay. And yeah, even, to, even to he's an asshole. Possibly be the worst one. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is this is just a it, it's a just a it's a fascinating movie. Um, 
pretty much what this movie is about is it's um i mean it's a survival horror movie so obviously you have a group of people stuck somewhere and they start to fight amongst themselves which is something you see in any zombie movie any from the walking dead i mean it's a staple uh, of survival horror but it, it's like you guys said like you you learn so much about these people throughout the course of the entire runtime and um you you have uh really nobody really even the best it's like jelly was saying even with even the best uh person in this movie at some point in in the film will go hit rock bottom and and do something terrible to somebody and i think really what um cause this movie was written by Takeshi Kimura and um i think hit what that screenplay i think what what him and Honda were really trying to do was show the dehumanizing process of these people who at the beginning of the mo- of the movie you realize they're successful they're rich um they're educated and throughout the movie they're just the the circumstances around them they become le- more barbaric and they literally become less of a person um and uh I, th- I think uh, it, now would be a good time to talk about Takeshi Kimura, the screenwriter. Um, he w- him and uh, Shinichi Sekizawa were Toho's two main screenwriters for their monster movies. Sekizawa was a more outgoing, friendly, funny guy, so he was usually assigned movies that were kind of going for something like that, whereas Kimura was a very introverted, um, cynical... Um, really kind of depressed personality. Um, so he, he got into the movies that were a little bit heavier. So he's responsible for stuff like, um, uh, the Frankenstein conquers the world, um, war of the gargantuas, um, stuff that, that is a little bit more, um, has a little bit more of a cynical, darker, streak to it um the human vapor um and i think of any movie that he's written i feel like this is this is his movie you know this is probably the movie that was the closest to telling you like hey this is the kind of person he was Uh, and that's not to say he was a bad person or it was just he was very much considered himself a social outcast who felt like an outsider, didn't really seem to blend in with people, was a little more awkward, um, and uh, had a really kind of cynical view of society. Um, and I think the the wraparound segment with uh, Akira Kubo in the, the mental ward um, talking about Tokyo and just, you know, the, he more or less says by the end of the movie, you know... I, what's the difference between if I'd, if I'd stayed there, I would have been just as better off there, there as I am here. You know, it's a jungle out there and people out there are still, you know, being 
doing horrible things to each other and dehumanizing each other on a daily basis. How's Tokyo any different than than the the island he was stranded on? Um, and uh, I know Kimura really kind of this was a little bit more of a personal screenplay for him, so much so that um, uh, Honda had a, a private screening uh, just with the two of them. So he could show him the final cut of the movie, and and at the end he said like, "Well, I mean, what what do you think? How would we do?" And Kimura said, "You know, I have no complaints." Um, and uh, yeah. you know, he 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 kind of you know he he died uh, depressed and alone, um, and uh, you know he didn't really have a whole lot of f- friends, and he choked to death in 1988. Um, alone in his apartment, <laughs> and you know, uh, I think he was dead for a little while before anyone found him. Um, and uh, there's <laughs> there's a legendary the it's a myth mythic interview with Kimura and Sekizawa at the same time where someone said like, so do you guys really like writing these movies? And Sekizawa was like, yeah, I love it. And Kimura was just like, oh. No. <laughs> um, but, that's interesting, though, because, like, yeah, like, that's kind of one of the things about this movie is, like, yeah, Honda's Honda's fingerprints are certainly all over it because, you know, just the, his directorial style and and you know, the way he he directs his actors and everything like that. Um, but. Uh, but, yeah, like. This movie, like even more than than like Gojira, goes goes for a uh, a very dark, cynical message that uh, isn't really in like like most of Honda's films. Even like the darker ones, you know, like even even like Gojira, like it it ends with kind of a there's hope for humanity kind of thing. Yeah, there's, you know? they're very humanistic, and they always kind of show. How it even people even people that don't get along need to come together to defeat something, whether it's aliens or a monster or whatever. Yeah, and and this is this is just nope. Everyone's terrible, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and everyone deserves it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's downbeat in that way. And I mean, uh, it's uh, it's really effective. It's really atmospheric. Um, it's it goes for a, a freak out moment too, and like two of them basically. Two, there's two big ones, and when those happen, they're they're really unnerving. Um, and it, I'm not even I'm not necessarily gonna say scary. Like you're not gonna be scared, but they're just they're they're like so high energy and high tension and bizarre that like you know when the when the uh, Matangos attack. Uh, Suchia, and uh, then at the end of the movie, it's it's so uh, disorienting. It's awesome. It was really well done. Um, yeah. Uh, it's um, I I agree with you in that it's it it is it's definitely a more downbeat movie for for a honda movie it's uncharacteristically downbeat almost um i mean at the most you could say like he's saying like hey 
you know, the, you know, we should never treat each other that way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the voice of the screenwriter comes through so much. Um, but that's not to say, I mean, like Honda directs this movie brilliantly. Um, and I, I honestly, I think, um, cause I mean, a lot of these actors are familiar to us. Akira Kubo is the professor, um, Kumi Mizuno, Kenji Sahara, Yo- Yoshio, uh, Suchia, Hiroshi Koizumi, like we've seen these guys in so many movies. Um, and I, I feel like just about all of them are doing their best work here. Um, and I know that before they, they shot this movie, Honda had a meeting with, with the cast because these were like his regulars at this point. Um, and he told them, like, you know, this is going to be something much different from the kind of movie we usually do. It's going to be more, a lot more serious. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, you're you're not just characters watching, you know, monsters fight. He he said, like, you know, I'm going to need all of you to really up your game as high as it can be, because this isn't the kind of thing that we've ever done before. Um, and I, I think that everyone really was successful in doing that um like uh and uh, this is the first movie where kenji sahara is really cast as like it's pretty much just a piece of shit uh (laughs) and you know he was usually cast as the hero and in this movie they give him these nasty fake hillbilly teeth and he's just a scummy guy threatening to rape the women and yeah that that was unnerving honestly i forgot about that part I'll take her tonight. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but then, then even uh, even uh, Hiroshi Tachikawa gets in on it when he's like, you know what? I think I think I like the other girl even more. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's your what's the hell is this guy's problem? <laughs> um. And uh, I mean, going back to just the way the movie is directed, like again, visually, um, it, 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 it this movie has so much atmosphere that you can practically like feel the humidity and smell the nasty, musty fungus and in, in the these like derelict ship that they find that's just covered in gross fungus and dust and. Um, uh, and just on a compositional level, he does some, like, there's a scene where they flash back to when everyone was friends and, you know, I mean, these characters who are pretty much just a group of yuppies, you know, rich, rich kids, pretty much. Um, they're sitting around a table and that's, and then, um, there was, there's a scene elsewhere in the movie where the characters are sitting around arguing and screaming at each other and, and the 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 composition's the same um in both scenes when they're at the table arguing and when they're at the table in uh in Tokyo as friends and so he does a lot of things um there's a lot of di- directorial uh choices like that that he makes um throughout the movie also um and the the whole movie just has a really interesting and like creepy feel to it. Like it, it it's very atmospheric and very weird. Um, 
and uh, in a di- I mean, I think that the general thesis of the movie is how um, this group of people is like a microcosm of society and how it breaks down. And um, but that you could draw so much more out of this movie. Like they mention that the it, the mushroom people that you know the fungus. Uh, may be the way it is because of effects of radiation testing. So that's that's in there. It's not a, a really super relevant plot point, but it's 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 giving you that to think about. Also, um, you could also talk about um, how anyone that eats these mushrooms hallucinates and the addictive quality to them, and how you know again, it's not shoving that in your face. Is like, hey, here's an anti drug movie. It's just. It's, that's just another thing the movie can make you think about. Um, and so there's really just a lot to appreciate with what this movie's doing, what it's saying. Um, another thing for, for uh, a Japanese sci-fi movie uh, or a Honda movie is this is the only movie in Toho's um, like monster movie canon that I can think of that pretty much... Uh, goes into human sexuality um, whatsoever uh, because we we do see you know with with the females being outnumbered in a group of males how that starts to create tension among the other males and Kumi Mizuno's character is is using it to feel good about herself. Um, you know, she's dating Yoshio Tsuchiya, but, um, you know, Kenji Sahara sees her and, um, uh, the author, uh, character, um, this with them, like he sees that they're like going out into the jungle and having sex out there. And, um, there's the part where, you know, he walks in on her with him and like they get into a fight and she's like, Oh, eh. like she doesn't care that like she's <laughs> ruining these relationships. She's just like, Oh, eh, everybody wants me. Isn't that funny? And it's like, ugh, what a terrible person. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's a movie that really, it goes for a lot and, um, I, it accomplishes a lot. Yeah. And the, and the effects are certainly like a little more sparse than in like your typical uh, kaiju movie, for example. For example, but uh, what's there is really well done. You know, the mushrooms swelling up in the rain, um, the the full fledged like Matango people, um, the way that the way that they get them to, to uh, have like a slight bioluminescence to them is is really good uh that's all like everything that's there is really really well done um and so it, it you know you're never you're never pulled out of the proceedings by being like oh that that wasn't such a good shot or good moment you know like it all it all hangs together really well and if you're looking for your uh you know if you're if you're one of those people out there is like uh shouldn't this be a godzilla podcast um, the Matango appeared in Godzilla Monster of Monsters on the NES. Yes. That is correct. Yes, it did. Also in the Godzilla Island television series. Don't you own that bird? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to bring it up. Uh, that was a, uh, 
kind of bizarre TV series in the 90s, um, which was literally made to sell toys. It's pretty much a puppet show with Bandai toys. But yes, oh, wait, like Ultraman X and Orb? Yes, exactly like that. Only at least Godzilla Island wasn't like, you know, the main focus of the franchise at the time, you know? <clears throat> um, but yeah, there's an arc where like, uh, there's like a Matango Hedera, um, and uh, they, there's like a Matango Island and, and stuff. So it, it's definitely crossed over into the Godzilla universe on at least those two occasions. Um, uh, but yeah, and going back to the effects, um, yeah, the, this was, uh, these are Subaraya, this is Subaraya effects. Um, but yeah, like in the rain, there's, uh, they show like these giant mushrooms like growing and like expanding. Um, which I guess what they had done, what they did was they took like, um, some sort of like sugary, like candy kind of substance and they would heat it from the bottom and that would give the, uh, illusion of like a a mushroom shape, like blooming Hmm. out of the ground. Almost like, uh, I don't know if you ever put a mark, uh, uh, marshmallow in the microwave. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, um, uh, but I would definitely say for those people that are like, oh, isn't this a Godzilla podcast? It's like, I mean, you have the director of most of the best Godzilla movies, uh, and I'm here telling you this is some of his best work. Um, and you have screenwriters, effects people actors from the godzilla series all really delivering a hundred plus percent um and uh i remember when i first saw this movie it was um like a bootleg vhs i'd gotten at a convention i was probably in seventh grade and and it freaked me out man (laughs) you know um now how do you guys feel about like the final mushroom person? You know, the big towering mushroom matango person suit. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. No, if if you were to just Google image search matango or look at some pictures of it, it truly it it is a goofier looking creature uh yoshio suchia even joked um in an interview once that it it looks like something that you should you would see at a ride on disneyland <laughs> um but uh, uh but um I, I, maybe if you drop acid <laughs> first like <laughs> um thankfully though I, the movie makes f- pretty good use of them um keeping them obscured or you know not the focus of a frame um and despite how silly you might think they look, I don't care who you are, that laugh is just unsettling. Because, like, they have this, like, ma- this this laugh that you really have to hear it to understand, like, why it's so strange. But um, Baltan, the Ultraman monster, has, like, a modified Matango yeah. laugh effect. So that should give you an idea of of what it sounds like. I mean, yeah, they might be like slightly goofy suits, but again, that gets into the whole, you know, just Ishiro Honda was just one of the best kaiju directors ever. He could take this stuff that 
wouldn't have looked very convincing if if done um, by uh, now. Even though I, I actually like two of the, or you know, I kind of like the guy's movies. They they just wouldn't have looked as good done by a Tezuka, for example, um, and just managed to make them look so effective and and in this movie creepy. Um, he does a, a fantastic job of that. Mm-hmm. One of the things too about the mushroom suits is that it's not a situation where less is more. There's so many of them that it's actually more effective that way. Like it kind of it it and sort there, of takes that air of goofiness away, in my opinion. And there's there's some that are like a little like that are different. Like there's some that look like I don't know, I almost like tree people. Almost yeah. like um, and then you also have the people that are like kind of half formed um like the one that's like stalking around the ship in the middle of the night that's uh that's hideo amamoto it is i don't know why he's in such a like basically throwaway part but yeah it's him under a lot of makeup and um so they definitely go through stages um they start i love the way they do that too they don't like they show them to you all like wildly out of order, you know, um, like you get the the one that's like skulking them around the ship. And and then you kind of see uh, I, th- I think the next one you see is kind of one of the, the big ones or whatever. Yeah, because they shoot at um, it in like, the woods or whatever because they don't know what it is. And then and then like then uh, you see the. The, the one character who has eaten some and like his, he's got like the dark circles under his eyes and he's like starting it like just the way that they kind of do it like all out of order. And so that you then just, instead of just going, you know, through a progression, um, from beginning to end, it, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, um, I would say this movie is very uh it's very Cronenberg esque. Um in fact, like if David Cronenberg in like the eighties or nineties remade this movie, it would be, it probably would have been a perfect movie. Like uh it tackles oh I know, can you imagine? It tackles <laughs> all the themes that he always um dealt with, whether it's, you know, bodily transformations, human se- sexuality and society breaking down um and i mean i'll say i mean if anyone happens to like movies like you know uh the fly or shivers or whatever like this would be right up your alley it's uh and um i mean this movie is always going to be like nearly perfect in my eyes but this is one where i could see like a modern remake being like being really interesting especially with you know the things we can do with makeup effects and and you know how things like that have advanced over the years. I I would so be down for uh, a modern version of this. Um, uh, now, uh, would you would you be down for the Monster Girl modern version oh, of God, this? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> no that exists. That have exists you, already. I, no, when I typed seen... in the tango, it popped up, and I was blinded <laughs> for life. Oh my lord! So why? Why are people sexualizing fungus monsters? I don't know, but I saw a picture <laughs> of a of a mushroom having sex with a. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> What's the it's rule? Uh, what is 34. it? Thirty four. Thirty four. Yeah. There, there, if 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 it exists, there's porn of it somewhere. Yeah, I don't understand. Um. 
but yeah, this this movie has um, it's got a good cult following, but it's not big enough. Um, and I know people over the years, people like uh, Quentin Tarantino and um, Guillermo del Toro have talked about how much they love this movie, but really, it's it's it is that good. Um, Alan Moore, the famous comic book writer, uh, is a fan of the film. Uh, I think it was Swamp Thing. Um, he had a mushroom villain called Matango. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, the if, if our recommendation isn't enough, hopefully hearing that some really awesome people also enjoy this movie will will help. Now, um, uh, what do you guys think of like? Because when I because re- I actually just rewatched it yesterday. What what did you guys think of uh, the set design? Because that's something that I was like constantly like paying attention to and being like, "Wow, that's the, the like the, it's so cool and so unique." I mean, the ship is super creepy as it is, but like the ending where they're running through the basically endless field of mushroom people is awesome. It, it's one of the best, like, the set design since probably, I don't know, I, I love the stuff in, like, Son of Godzilla and Sea Monster. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so, like, this seems like one of those movies where I would really want to walk around the set because I, I feel like, you know, this is one of those one of those things. And um, I, I was recently listening to the uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead commentary tracks, and they, they keep talking about how, like, a lot of the sets you see, like you're only seeing like half of them and there's so much cool stuff that you're not even getting to see. I feel like that's got to be the case with this. Like the, this, that ship is so detailed, you know, the, the inside of it and the, the jungle like seems at least so vast. Like I'd want to walk, I would, I would want to have walked around this set and, and see like, is it that big? And like that alone would just impress me. Like, you know how much money they poured into it and how meticulous it was and how detailed it was, or is it, is it not that big? And Honda makes it look big in, uh, you know, in his direction. Cause you know, then either way it's, it's impressive kind of, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's a definitely like just a, a cool, you know, the atmospheric set design that I would definitely wish I could get like a closer look at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like, uh, just talking about this, the cinematography and everything also like, uh, the movie has like, it, you, it makes a really cool use of color that a lot of the old, you know, Toho tokusatsu <laughs> movies, um, didn't really seem to do as much. Like, um, especially when they're on that, uh, that abandoned ship it, like he walks into the one room and it's like all red uh like it's like a red light um and like i mean that ship you can just f- like feel the grossness coming off of it like ugh, and and you just think like oh i bet it smells so terrible <laughs> and, and like you said the humidity too like the heat i mean this is this is one of the sweatiest movies uh, this side of Howling Three, um, <laughs> <laughs> I know off air I bring that movie up to you guys all the time. Yeah, but you're, seriously, you're, that... you're you're obsessed with the Howling Three. 
That that movie is the sweatiest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, this this comes close though. I mean, it, they look, they all look so uncomfortable, and I I wonder if if uh, if it was an uncomfortable thing to shoot. You know, um, again, that's that's one of the one of the kind of disadvantages of these uh, of talking about some of these like lesser known, you know, like more obscure kind of things is there's not as as much known about them. Um, I wonder if it was like a really uncomfortable yeah. shoot. Like if they're like, um, we need everyone to look sweaty. So just, you know, uh, turn the heat up, you know, like and it was just like a really uncomfortable experience or, or what? The um, there's a the commentary hit on uh on um the DVD with the Kira Kubo is pretty cool, but they don't talk so much about the movie so much as they just talk to him about like what it was like to be like a rising star at Toho in the '60s, which is interesting. But um, there's not as much talk about the movie as I would have liked. Um, have you guys read the short story that this is based on at all? No. Um. I think it's on the DVD is like you can read it. Um, it's not too long, but uh, basically um, uh, in the short story, uh, it concerns a schooner that's approached by a rowboat uh, in the night. And the passenger on the uh, rowboat doesn't want to bring his uh, boat too close um until the sailors and the schooner turn off their lanterns and he tells them you know he's uh he begs them for food that he can go and take back to his fiance um and they give him a box of food and he later goes to um goes back to tell them that his fiance is grateful for the food but uh she it looks like she's gonna pass away soon and then he tells them a story about how him and his, his fiance um were um uh on a on a ship and uh it i believe it sunk um but they um were abandoned by the crew who took all the lifeboats and they um uh escaped to a nearby uh lagoon um, and there was an abandoned ship covered in fungus, um, and they attempted to remove the fungus, but they couldn't. And um, everything on the island was covered in this fungus. And eventually, the um, the the narrator in the rowboat and his fiance found the fungus growing on their skin, and they started feeling an uncontrollable like um, uh, desire to eat it. And then they noticed that other people on the island had also been consumed by this fungusy growth stuff. Um, and so he just tells them that story and, and rows away. And then, um, uh, that's, that's more or less the, the short story. Um, so you can see how that, this is loosely based on that. Um, and it was actually from what I've read, um uh adapted for a TV show called Suspicion which was like a 1 hour um show uh made here in the US that was um it was kind of like an Alfred Hitchcock presents like anthology uh type of series like they did episodes that had Boris Karloff and stuff 
and uh, they uh, they adapted the short story for that. And I've been trying to track down that episode of that show forever. I have ran into nothing. Um, I would love to see it though. Um, uh, but yeah, and then Matango was the other adaptation. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would say this movie kind of takes that idea of just fungusy people <laughs> and really takes it to the extreme. I mean, you could have adapted that short story to be anything. The fact that this is what they came up with, something so layered and with so much, um, just something this complex. I mean, you know, they really weren't slacking when they made this thing. It's a great movie. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I want to bring up a point about the ending, which, well, I guess Matt kind of already spoiled the ending earlier. Um, <laughs> I'm great at that. If uh, you guys watched the dub or the subtitled version, or both? I've watched both. Um, Subbed. Okay, because in the subtitled version, when Akira Kubo turns around and you see that he is turning into a, a Matango uh, creature... Um, in the subtitled version, he says, you know, I should have stayed on that island. Um, uh, you know, I, I did all, he more or less says, you know, I, I did all this and survived it. And for what? And he turns around and you see it in the dub. He says, um, you know, I, I didn't know what to do and I was desperate and I ate them. And he turns around, you see his face. Um, cause you don't see him eat them. And in the subtitle dialogue, he doesn't say that he ate them. So I think the implication is more or less maybe he breathed, He was breathing it in. Because um, in the short story, the, the narrator doesn't eat it either. Um, they start growing the fungus on them and then eating it. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering if... I mean, I'm sure the Japanese dialogue is more faithful to the script. Um it's a weird kind of question, but do you guys have a preference? Do you like the idea that he went through all this and survived really for no reason, or the idea that he eventually just had a mental breakdown and ate them anyway? I kind of, well, Matt hasn't seen the, the subtitle, but I kind of prefer the, the subtitled, ver, or not the subtitled, I kind of prefer the dubbed version just because it, it makes it seem like more of a shocking revelation um in the subtitle version the the kind of way it's 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 built to to me um and some of the the actual words specifically don't you know he talks about there was so much food and you're like well there there actually wasn't um just kind of some of the that kind of stuff like it, it throws me a little bit and it seems like it already sets you up to believing that the uh, that it's all over his face. Um, whereas in the in the dub, it's it's kind of like, you know, I didn't know what to do. I I I couldn't hold on. You know, it just it and then the, dun dun dun. I don't. It just has more of a, a punch to me a little bit. Maybe that's because I don't speak the language, too, you know, when I'm reading it versus seeing it. I thought it was implied, sort of, that he had a mental breakdown and he ended up eating it. But 
maybe that it's not. I don't know. Um, as you mentioned, maybe the, the fungus can just grow on you because of exposure. But I took it when I watched it because I haven't read the short story uh, that he did, in fact, eventually just eat the um, the mushrooms anyway. So I kind of took the ending to almost be the same as in the dub in a way. Mm-hmm. So like to me, it sort of had the same effect. Oh, well, shut up then. <laughs> and for me maybe it's because i saw the dub first but i've always taken it that way yeah also. I, I saw that i mean i grew up watching the dub um uh and then um crap there's one more thing i wanted to add about that oh well we'll, we'll never know i do know this movie was <laughs> slightly controversial in japan um due to some of the makeup resembling um injuries of uh you know those who survived atomic bombings but it didn't go the uh prophecies of nostradamus route and get just completely banned by the studio which is great because this movie is awesome um so uh crap i really want to know what i wanted to say i'm gonna remember it like the second we end this episode and that's it's not good and yeah no it's not good so how many rule 34 mushrooms would you give would you give this movie? <laughs> um 5 Yeah. This is a straight up 5. I go with a four and a half. Uh Oh, come on, man. Why why yeah. you got to hate? Hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh no, I I go with a four and a half. It's it's just a tad uh unpleasant maybe just that like (laughs) there's you know like there there are kind of stretches where there's not a whole lot happening and you're hanging out with unlikable characters um yeah that just kind of makes it like a little bit of a (sighs) could something you know like uh, could something happen so that you know i don't have to hang around with these buttholes (laughs) um so yeah i just go with a four and a half it's it's just that one rung below yeah, I'm gonna go five. Yeah, this is a this is a five. Jelly. Now, what I will say is, uh, we had talked on the Dracula episode how how I was like, well, I wouldn't recommend this to to kaiju fans, um, if if they're only kaiju fans. What I'll, I'll say in this one is, if you're like if you're only a kaiju fan, and you've got some interest maybe in like branching out to, you know. Maybe just like some J horror or um, just sci-fi movies that that are somewhat similar to to kaiju and, and that kind of stuff. And this this is a good like stepping stone movie. Uh, this, is, this is a good gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just because it's a good movie, but because it's got a lot of those like uh, similar aesthetic feel to a lot of the uh you know 60s kaiju movies it's made by all the same people guys you know check it out um and i do know uh this is one of a sure honda considered this to be one of his very best movies um i know his answer to that you know what were his favorites is kind of alternated i know um the original Godzilla, he said many times. Um, I know he really was very proud of uh, Gorath. Um, 
And uh, but um, uh, Guy Tucker in an interview once said, you know, of all your monster movies, what what's your fi- favorite one? And Honda walked over to uh, a shelf in his house that had a bunch of you know movies of his on these things called VHS tapes. And he he picked out Matango, and he he said, you know, that's a movie that he's extremely proud of and considers it one of his best movies. And I I and many others would agree. Um, and don't be fooled by the kitschy American title. Um, it's it's a pretty chilling and really fascinating movie. If you don't like, this and if movie, you want to buy the DVD, it's only two hundred and thirty-five dollars on Amazon. <laughs> Uh, I'm really, I'm really hoping that a lot of this stuff gets reissued. Um, it needs to be, yeah. And I mean that, unfortunately, with the tokusatsu and kaiju stuff, and um, I mean, when a new release comes out, I just try and jump on it as soon as possible because it's you never know. I mean, usually they're put out by small companies that might not have might not last and you know it goes out of print easily or if it doesn't sell well so uh yeah i mean if if you guys got 230 dollars to spare <laughs> um check it out um otherwise you can get it for 30 on amazon but or not on amazon on ebay but even you know 30 bucks for a dvd is pretty pretty up there yeah i, I mean just someone out there please reissue this damn thing um, but yeah, excellent movie, um, and most of the people that worked on it consider it some of their best work. So, that is Matango. Um, Jelly, thank you again. Or, or should I call you Tom? What What do I even call you on these things? <laughs> no. It now doesn't that, matter to me. Um, but, but, you know. Well, whoever Tom's you are, thank one you. Of the, one of the reasons... <laughs> <laughs> Just to, to pull back the curtain a little bit, and people don't care, but still. Uh, what? <laughs> Matt? Is anyone there? Hey, Tom. Tom. Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. Oh, you guys oh, yeah. broke out. I... Tom was like, you want to hear something? And then it just completely went to shit. What did you no. just say? <laughs> oh. uh, I was just... Could Matt hear me while I was saying I can hear you fine. I, oh. I think I think Bird, I thought I think Bird thought that he hung up on us again. Tom, it, he might have just his internet might have just glitched for a second. <laughs> um, but no, what I was saying is it, what uh, I know people don't really care probably, but one of the reasons we went with you know like Jelly and the Source on second run is because we're both named Tom. <laughs> And and like then you know we just thought like when we had pe- other people on and and stuff like that and people would be like hey Tom and be like what you know like so uh, oh my god so, yeah, I didn't but, even uh, <laughs> I didn't even think of that Tom's good that's fine right. unless we get Jelly's source fine on too here. you could you could just call me I don't know I Max was gonna try to think of something cool but uh, Carlos just, uh, Danger. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with uh, monster. I don't know. It's still a thing. Danger. <laughs> you could just, uh, yeah. Tom's fine. <laughs> okay. I was I was gonna try and think of something cool, but I, I couldn't. All right. Fail. <laughs> I, I got too busy. I'm too busy looking at uh, at Matango porn over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us, and we'll 
have more stuff to talk to you about next time. Right, guys? Right. That is correct. All right.